Welcome to Humanity Evolved with your host, Catherine Calarco. This program will bring your life, family, and community together by focusing on the new technologies and innovations that define your world in an open and relaxed form of ideas and discussion. Now, here is Catherine Calarco. Hello, this is Catherine. It is amazing to be here with you today. And I've got uh, a special treat for everyone is that uh, I will be talking about something that I know very much uh, about, which is the future of technology and life sciences. And I'll be talking to you about this from a, both from a leadership perspective, but also from a practical what is happening, right? So uh, we are um, Going, Humanity Evolve is dedicated to sharing the, the uh, having a conversation about technology and emerging trends and helping you to track to what is happening in the world and, and also to inform you about what I'm hearing about in conversations with uh, global leaders, technologists and experts and basically share that wisdom. And the essence of this is to help you understand the world around you, but also to help yourself, your community and the world to be a better place and understand what's actually uh, some of the unique things that are happening today. So for, to, so for this today, what we're gonna be talking about is uh, three strategies for industry transformation for life sciences. And I, uh, life sciences, uh, for those who may not know, includes pharmaceutical companies, so drug companies. It includes uh, medical device companies, so like pacemakers and uh, glucometers and uh, uh, similar devices such as that. And also diagnostics, medical supplies, uh, clinics, clinics, et cetera. So there's a huge amount of interest in that right now um, and always because this, this industry transforms human lives. It actually enables us to have the interventions, therapeutics to not only create global wellness, but also to enable improved quality of life and improve uh, well-being and enable people to eliminate the ability, eliminate disease. And, and, and this is really an important industry at the moment, both to deal with that global pandemic, but also to deal with global health overall, and not just for some nations, but for all the world. And how can we enable greater access, greater efficacy, and greater uh, um, cost savings across uh, all countries and for all peoples? And um, so from AI to virtual clinical trials, the pharmaceutical medical device industry is really undergoing a major transformation. So how are these going to improve uh, healthcare worldwide? What are leaders doing? What are the top companies doing to actually achieve that? And how are they actually able to create better well-being at the same time as business growth? So there's, we're going to talk about this in terms of um, both what does the future look like? Uh, you know, how, what is digital transformation and what does that mean? And then how is leaders collaborating to create uh, greater corporate and wellness outcomes? And I think the overarching part of this is that the future is digital. And that, that means like, oh, no, we're going to be run by bots and, and uh, AI is going to determine what, what medicines I'm getting and all the rest of it. And how come I can't, you know, talk to my doctor, et cetera. The, the, the absolute beauty of this is that the goal of technology should be to aid humanity. And aiding humanity means to be able to have uh, more time with doctors, to, for doctors to be able to have the more information at their fingertips to create better outcomes for uh, life sciences companies to find the right therapeutics and drugs and vaccines earlier 
faster and more uh, that are more efficacious, <laughs> easy for me to say, more effective and also safe and as well as being able to uh, deliver it quickly for people to save lives. So, um, so to start with that, the first area is really what's the art of the possible for uh, this industry? What is automation? What is this going to look like in the world in the future? So some of the, the areas that we know that are going to happen, and uh, you may or may not heard about this, but uh, the scientists are going to focus more of their t- uh, time, data science are going to be focusing more of their time on innovation and value rather than trying to do the manual tasks associated with data screening, data cleaning categorization, uh, categorizes, and also integration. Now, why is that important? Well, the at JP Morgan last year, the uh, the innovative companies that are using AI in drug discovery and also using um, a technology to help with uh, uh, personalized medicine and gene therapies really have challenged the industry that the that disease is gone. That there is now the scientific or the technical ability to eliminate disease, and it's really up for uh, up to the leaders and the organizations to deliver the innovation to make that happen. And what that means is that using items like uh, in silica, which is mainly a a, uh, a replication of a human being in a computer, uh, in terms of the way the systems work, in terms of the way the cells interact and, and uh, all that data associated with it so that you can test a compound out um, before you, uh, you release it uh, or you start uh, clinical trials on it. Or also the other aspect of it is that it helps to identify what may work best on you as a person so that there's an ability to find the right therapeutic, the right gene therapy, the right intervention, and the right uh, drug that would work on you as an individual. Now, so... So I think what's important about that is is using technology to enable human capacity to solve big global challenges. So in order for us to deal with the multitude of uh, unseen uh, things that are occurring at the moment, uh, and you're seeing it day in and day out with regard to uh, dealing with forest fires and dealing with uh, more extreme weather, uh, the, the the climate change effect on the oceans, and also uh, population effects associated with uh, pandemics, um, hunger, and all these other items that are really quite large challenges and multifactorial, not easy things to solve. So, you know, our, our, our next step in really evolving as humanity is really creating human capacity to solve these challenges and provide innovations and execute on that. And we have seen that happen. You know, we have seen industry come together and collaborate with government, uh, communities, and individuals to really uh, drive uh, fast-to-market innovations. Uh, we've seen that with vaccine development and others over the last uh, year. And so um, what we want to do is be able to build that as a sustainable future. You know, how can we uh, enable us to uh, have more capacity to solve these problems, but also uh, more effective at doing this, right? And uh, and also being able to deal with diversity, right? And one of the key things that um, artificial intelligence and intelligent automation do for us is that they enable us to make bias visible and to remove that bias and 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 to enable us to deliver the right health care, the right uh, medicines to the right people. And uh, most importantly, freeing up doctors and nurses to attend to their patients longer and actually creating the ability for us to spend more time on human connection and the things that human does best, which is solve these problems.
So, so part of the challenges of this within the industry and where it's going is that um, there's a, a, a lack of understanding about what AI is. There's, um, it's often challenged by being able to get the right data available for it. And it's also, you know, educating uh, the, the public in terms of uh, the, the use of this and, um, and, and the support of it. And I think it's incumbent on the industries to, in fact, show that it works, show the value, demonstrate the, uh, the, the imp positive impact of that by actually curating as uh, thought leaders and um, leading scientists to actually curate the answers and demonstrate what's possible. Because I do think that people really do get engaged more when they see it for themselves and they see how, what is possible and they see examples of that and actually start to understand, you know, um, no, if someone had told you that you could put an, you know, an entire IBM computer in your back pocket 30, 40 years ago, people would have just said, that's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. And look now the power of the, you know, the, the, the smartphones that you have on your, uh, in your back pocket or you're carrying around with you is uh, far exceeds the cap capacity of those large computers that were built in uh, and, and available in the 70s and 80s, etc. So, so I think we have to think about designing our future and how can we incorporate those, uh, the technologies into, into enabling uh, life sciences to be more effective. And this is happening. You know, we're really seeing uh, some five key trends, right? We're seeing across drug discovery, clinical and preclinical trials, which is the process to uh, validate that a, a, a drug is safe for use and also effective. Uh, manufacturing operations, which is very important in terms of actually um, securing uh, continuity of supply of, of key items and also the ability for sales and marketing to operate effectively and keep the health professionals and others uh, informed as to what they're doing and educate consumers and, and enable patient engagement. And then you have the key area of necessary right now, such as supply chain and distribution. And right now there is a significant need for more agility in terms of assurance of uh, PPE equipment in times uh, where there's surge and also um, the uh, high um, scarce uh, drugs and things like that. So we, the things that exist already need to be available to people worldwide. So there's kind of five areas uh, across the value chain in life sciences. And then there's really what I see is about five areas where we're seeing the future evolve, right? And so what's happening, what's coming up into the future is the future of work. The fact that uh, we will have digital assistance, that there'll be more uh, human enablement by uh, uh, software robots uh, being able to do more work for us, uh, the manual tasks, the curation of information, the uh, intelligent um, assessment uh, for us to make decisions or to create judgments or to incorporate into our, uh, into our own knowledge and experiences. And also there's data, you know, basically having data available to create that we talked about it earlier and in silica human for research and clinical trials, the ability to do tests to kind of the, the goal is to find and uh, the right compound or the right therapeutic before uh, uh, and that is going to have a higher probability of success. And so if you do that earlier on and you're able to improve the, um, the, uh, 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 the, the success in stage uh, in clinical trials, um, 
then you have the better uh, probability of that particular drug um, getting into market or that therapeutic or that medical device getting into market because it's so expensive to make this happen and it takes so much time that you really want to shorten the time and you want to reduce the costs. And if you do both of those things where we are enabled to have this, this, these, these items at either lower, more cost effective um, or able to actually uh, eliminate the trajectory of a disease so that you don't have the chronic aspects and the long-term cost of having to deal with this um, for, for a lifetime. So really being able to use the data in, um, in, in, in phenomenal ways uh, to, to, for both research and clinical trials. And the third area is innovation really looking at the evolution of therapeutics and interventions that allow us to actually work more as a preventive or, uh, or even a gene therapy that actually uh, deals with the root cause of things so that you are able to eliminate that disease or the trajectory of that. So really finding those innovations and you'll see a lot of organizations that are moving towards that uh, to enable us to be more healthy and live uh, longer in, at, a, at a higher quality. And um, and also there's the whole idea of automated o- operations. You know, how can we take these manual tasks and these processes that are necessary within the life sciences industry to be, uh, uh, they need to be uh, fully compliant. They need to be done the same way every time. They need to be reportable. They are um, need to be able to be tracked and visible. Uh, and you need to do trend predictions to identify uh, items as fast as possible. So in order to do that, you really need to automate operations. And, and that includes uh, exponential productivity. You know, you look at uh, Moore's law across the years and you've seen how, you know, it's improved the capabilities of chips exponentially. The same is happening for many things. And you see this in uh, Peter Diamantes and, and Stephen Kotler's books around abundance and bold and, and so many of their uh, discussions around how the future is uh, exponentially creating itself. And um, we have the ability to phenomenally improve productivity and I can't wait for that to happen. I would like to have a few more hours during the day to to take walks and and think creatively and solve problems or you know be able to do the fun things in life. Uh, and and so I'm looking forward to more exponential productivity. And I think that the the last piece of this is really about humanity. You know, it's really about the importance of uh, the need to be human centric and not just human infused, you know, the, the value of ethics and social science, uh, you know, really that is, that is necessary for us to move forward. And, and uh, you know, that you, all the research that you do and the work that you're doing with things like intelligent automation and, and AI is, is really about, uh, is about the need for uh, ethics and, uh, and social responsibility and understanding of the impact of ecosystems and, the, and, and what are these are doing for society as well as um, for individuals. And that requires some forethought and some uh, what I call complex thinking to or systems thinking. So it's really about systems thinking and the creativity associated with that while holding uh, ethical and values uh, core to what you're um, implementing. And so it's really about team innovation and creativity for a better humanity and better human health. And, and how do we actually enable that, uh, either through technology or through training or through uh, operational philosophy or through um, who we choose to hire, you know, because the person in, 
who is coding that who is doing the coding is as important as the CEO on the in the company and maybe more so in terms of the ethics of that of what you're actually building so it's fundamentally important to consider that factor so really you know just to repeat those items it's you know really understanding that the, the digital assistance as a future of work understanding the importance of data to fast track research and clinical trials enable innovation and be able to uh, create automated operations. And most important from my perspective is in, in being human centric um, and infusing team innovation and creativity for better uh, uh, humanity worldwide. So those are kind of the essences that the leaders are facing and the challenges that they're facing within the industry or you know price pressures, the supply issues, the uh, um, the the cost of pharmacovigilance or the cost of um, issues in the field and how they have to respond to that. So if we can get better at what we do, it enables us to be more effective, but also to be more cost effective. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what technology is doing and why the industry is moving faster now and what's actually happening uh, and how digital transformation itself is becoming or has been identified as the number one trend in the life sciences industry and how scientists and uh, and and software developers need to work together. And it's very important to have uh, be the network node in those middle. So we are going to talk about the secrets of digital transformation, what's actually happening in the industry, and how we are able to, as leaders and, and uh, participants in this, uh, enable this industry to realize the potential that I'm talking about in this first phase about what is the future. So come back and join me in the conversation about digital transformation and how this is helping for the future to be realized faster than we think. Thank you so much. This is Catherine Clarko. Join me after the break on Humanity Evolve. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN. CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. This is Humanity Evolve with Catherine Calarco. 
To reach our show today, please call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back. This is Catherine Calarco on Humanity Evolve. And just before the break, we talked about the future of the life sciences industry and how the future is digital and what does that mean for humanity. And one of the key aspects of that is digital transformation, what that truly means for the industry itself. And so I'm going to take this section is really about how um, how, what that means and how things are moving faster because of it. And then um, in the next section, after we come after the next break, we're going to talk about leadership and about how leaders are engaging in this and what um, they are actually doing to address uh, the challenges and also uh, enable uh, their, their teams to, to be able to deliver to this. So some of the aspects, and I'm just going to use the pandemic as a, as a, as a, on how the industry responded to that in terms of what's possible in order to uh, move quicker, right? So uh, part of that is that uh, there was a significant more collaboration, right? The uh, Biomed Tracker reported that there was an increasing number of R&D alliances and licensing deals. Um, there was much more investment from BARDA and CEPI to fund early research. And obviously there was a huge motivator from a human population there was significant consortia that were created across NIH, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and also the WHO. And the idea was to actually make tools, accelerate the uh, essence of this, and be able to uh, move faster. And many of them uh, were able to identify candidates extremely quickly, which enabled them to move more into, uh, and, and there was a significant amount of AI involved in that. So it's the collaboration, but it's all the, also the collection of data, making data available across, and also use of AI in the process itself. So in addition to that, um, the FDA were uh, offering uh, much more advice. They were um, really look, working much closer to actually enable uh, you know, prioritizing patient safety and ensuring continuity for the trial integrity. And they obviously managed protocol flexibility. So they really were engaged in enabling patient safety, the flexibility of protocols, and the trial integrity uh, in an in a, in a overlap way to allow them uh, to, to, uh, to be able to move faster through the system. And so they really did uh, facilitate access to both the therapeutics and drugs and others by expediting and prioritizing the coronavirus research and evaluation. And there's a lot of internal aspects of that so that they were not only um, developing a faster turnaround, but also um, uh, looking at, uh, you know, basically an unknown time scale, but right, they really had to do this in a record amount of time. So, you know, how did they do that? Now, there's a lot of partners that uh, we work with or are aware of that did things like being able to uh, uh, use intelligent automation to fast track uh, 
um, the, uh, the regulatory documentation process. So a lot of the manual work associated with writing the documents, uh, tracking data among centers, et cetera, was able to be facilitated by, um, by intelligent automation and by um, using AI to connect the databases together to standardize the information, to uh, pull in uh, manual data from spreadsheets from different formats and actually aggregate that information, as well as being able to assure that the documentation was done uh, to meet the regulatory requirements in terms of the audit of it, uh, standards, uh, the format, the font, the text. Uh, and also the other area was to pull in data and information from multiple sources um, without a person having to do that. So you could actually engage uh, a software bot to actually pull that information. And so, you know, uh, even and it's interesting because it it often takes something to really uh, drive change and uh, and uh, the pandemic itself has really been able to expedite clinical development itself and uh, and part of that is um, you know really you know despite advances over the past decade the average time to, in clinical de development really remained around ten years ten years in the clinical development really. And there was also the likelihood of approval was really around 20%. So that's a significant investment. And also uh, the, the likelihood of approving was, uh, was only in five years, 20%, right? And so they, uh, they were able to uh, increase the biomarker or genetic validation earlier. They were able to increase the regulatory prioritization and facilitation. So that actually drove... Um, the likelihood of approval up as well as reduce the R&D expense because if, it, is it, if it's approved quicker, you have the ability to, um, to reduce your R&D expense. And obviously, if you're able to do that earlier, um, you increase your patient outcomes and the access to, the, to this. And so um, part of that was to the, the three phases of this from Pharma Prima, Premia was basically looking at the preclinical, clinical, and regulatory side of things. And, and part of that is the pre-competitive collaboration. So it's really important to actually have that collaboration to enable uh, faster uh, choice of uh, what compound to go forward with. Also do in silica R&D and characterization, which I talked about earlier, is really there was a lot of work uh, in, in software uh, on compounds and to find the fastest, uh, find, find it quickly. And that was a significant uh, win with regard to many of the organizations that you're seeing release vaccines at the moment. And also prioritizing the INDs from the FDA. So this really being able to get the new drug submissions out and uh, uh, be able to have all the documentation prioritized, but also uh, uh, created faster by using intelligent automation. In addition to that, within the clinical phase, you're seeing a lot of movement into virtual clinical trials. Talk to one organization that has enabled uh, virtual clinical trials and they're enabling that through um, uh, using digital health devices to track compliance and also the patient biomedical information, et cetera. And what they've reported is that they're getting excellent data uh, as, as well as being able to have access to more participants uh, in the studies because the virtual nature of it uh, means that they, they don't need to be near the centers. They can actually be um, all over the world. So that en it enabled them to have uh, more diversity in their population and also faster ability to get the numbers they were looking for. 
And um, so in that clinical phase, you're seeing the use, use of more of virtual trials, you're seeing the use of more digital health uh, data uh, integration, et cetera. There's a lot of form filling and, uh, and paperwork associated with a lot of this. And so there was the means to move into um, uh, using, uh, uh, again, software bots and other tools to uh, move that more into a digital world to allow that and also do it safely and securely. So it's very important um, from a secure point of view to assure that the information is, de- is, is, not, uh, um, is, is not able to be leaked or hacked into or that the patient information information is not available for um, when when you're aggregating the data. And so, um, and also they were, there was some ability to skip or overlap phases um, based on obviously guidance within the FDA, but also the effectiveness within that uh, preclinical stage. And also look at, uh, you, you know, use um, early indicator or surrogate endpoints uh, to help with that clinical phase. And the, the uh, last stage, obviously, or not last stage, but the last uh, pillar of this is really about regulatory. And often people say, well, regulatory, the approval of drugs takes too long and, and it's very cumbersome, but there's a real reason for that. You know, they really want to assure uh, patient safety. I mean, they really want to assure that the right things are done so that when things are released, they're not only are they effective, but people do trust them. And that's so important is that you want uh, people to be healthy and, and you want them to be able to use the drugs that are going to actually save their lives. And so in order to do that, you have got to give them that confidence. So in the regulatory world, they did real-time review and provided uh, conditional approvals. So there's a lot they did um, in, in order to enable that to happen. And I think those, those elements are extremely important in terms of where the industry is going and why uh, digital, uh, digital transformation is the number one trend. So uh, IDC has, has stated that, uh, uh, you know, that it, that it basically they say digital transformation eats everything, you know, so, so it is, it, it, the industry is really must move uh, to uh, automating as much as they can in order to create capacity in their organizations to deal with this global issue. Um, you know, things like IoT and wearable technologies are being driven to be the cusp of value, right? They're really necessary now. You're going to do a lot more remote and telemedicine. You need to have wearable and um, IoT technologies to, to deal with a uh, remote uh, patient base or, or be able to um, uh, assure, uh, uh, you know, patient engagement and also um, health long term. You know, and also really moving patient engagement itself to be more of an interactive uh, using apps and uh, SMS med- or text messages and, and other ways of uh, providing reminders and prompts and, and really adding a human factor to it to enable the less paperwork and more time with your doctor, but also more regular engagement uh, to assure uh, that people are compliant or, is, or healthy, right? So then there's uh, pharma teams up with payers and providers, you know, the digital therapeutics looking to create new path to revenue. Um, sales and marketing is looking at augmented reality for, a, uh, for drug and device demos. You know, how are they able to educate when a virtual world more? You know, how can you actually uh, empower your, especially when you're rolling out uh, new products and you need to have people understand what it is and isn't. Excuse me, that's uh, just from talking so much. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that we're seeing a huge amount of is predictive analytics. 
really doing a trend analysis and real-time data viewing so that they can create things like agile supply chains and also see trends within potential field events or uh, needs of supply in particular areas quicker, you know, to reduce the, um, the negative impact and increase the positive impact of, of using this information real-time. I mean, we had one company that uh, uh, literally had a spreadsheet that they were using around the world to track the aspects of their supply chain. And they had over like 30 people entering information into that. And, you know, there's a way to automate so much of that for them. And that just moves, you know, three hours to four hours of their, you know, uh, their, their very highly specialized individual time into doing something that's much more valuable, you know, and they want to work on, you know, accelerating these clinical trials and really removing bottlenecks and creating a sustainable business, enabling their industry to, to institutionalize these, these more uh, productive and uh, digital uh, assisted worlds so that they can actually move quicker, uh, reduce friction in the regulatory documentation process and communications and collaborate and fast track discovery to find best candidates. And they also want to optimize things like supply chain to assure the quantity of supplies and raw materials. And all of this is intended to, uh, for us, to in, intended to buy better, better healthcare uh, and, and greater, uh, if, uh, greater effect earlier on. And, and part of that is also to monitor trends and provide, you know, communications as well. So really looking at, you know, how can we as an industry do that? And digital transformation offers that. Uh, by enabling organizations to implement uh, intelligent or RPA, uh, uh, which is a robotic process automation, to uh, remove manual processes. And, and when they do that, across the board, they see 30% reduction in, cost in costs, you know, delivered on average. We see cost savings up to 80-90% on some of these processes. And you see an ROI in 12 months. Well, sometimes we'll see an ROI in three months because as soon as the bot's turned on, it, it immediately adds value and people can move to different things. And the number one area associated with this is in terms of intelligent automation and digital transformation is that CEOs and leaders are looking to move their people to higher value work. As I mentioned in the first stage, the world is challenged repeatedly, and it's not going to just be, uh, you know, done with the pandemic. There's going to be cont continually new things that are going to be showing up, and we have to create institutional capacity, and we have to have a collaborative capabilities, and using this uh, technology to enable us to solve these challenges. And we can't do that if we're um, bound down in very manual. Uh, uh, processes that need to be done, but in fact, our, um, a bot could do it so that we can uh, improve productivity, we can reduce uh, cycle times and improve accuracy and really have people have more fun doing, uh, doing more creative thinking work or uh, build bots, you know, if, if people want to do that. There's a lot of future opportunities. I mean, the, the amount of people in this field and the, and the exponential growth that we're seeing in digital transformation, intelligent automation in life sciences is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it, it's really exciting to see people just get so, so enthusiastic about what's possible, you know, how can they use this across their industry, you know, and things like, um, you know, uh, we talked about within discovery, but also maybe in operations 
operations, you know, uh, velocity supply chain management, uh, reporting and auditing, auditing their Q, QA batch tests, you know, doing inventory tracking and onboarding and offboarding vendors, uh, doing uh, automating claims process, uh, you know, enable real-time data tracking and reporting, you know, and uh, even in the more back office areas, uh, being able to manage the remote workers on uh, uh, setting up um, uh, VPNs or enabling security, uh, even simple things like logins and resetting logins and passwords can all be done now automatically. You know, we're seeing organizations adopt uh, automation within um, the HR process is in terms of uh, quickly onboarding people or finding the right people, uh, being able to do um, things like, uh, you know, training and, uh, you know, regular communications and the simple things around uh, payroll. We see a lot of people automating uh, international payroll processes to uh, uh, fit local regulations, but also enable it to be set up quickly for people. Um, so there's a lot that can be done in the back office as well and thinking of beyond, you know, just uh, account and accounting and finance, but also in terms of IT, HR, and other areas associated with how to run your business more efficiently. And really, you know, uh, 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 the big, a big area is report creation, you know, creating dashboards and reports. And so all of these uh, uh, areas are, you know, are, there's a lot of places that you can look for automation and, and really then take that into how can I leverage information as a business intelligent and drive to AI decision making. And so we're seeing more organizations really want AI to help them to provide information to create better decisions and also to curate information that may be hidden or trends that are not visible for a long time and be able to find them earlier. And so we're seeing leaders look to, you know, even creating uh, HR strategies uh, that include digital workers or digital assistants and really incorporating AI decision-making as part of their um, strategy and, and also their digital transformation uh, projects. And originally, you know, digital transformation was focused maybe on like sales and marketing or on a particular business function. Nope, now it's actually going across and up-leveling into a C-suite uh, project uh, to create strategic competitive advantages for their organization. And from the numbers that we're seeing across the board, the leaders are doing so much uh, around this and, it, and in realizing some great outcomes. And so when, I'm, when I come back, I'm going to talk to you about what the top performers are doing in this industry to achieve the benefits of digital transformation and some of the key things that are happening. So join me after the break and let's talk about leadership and our top performers. Thank you so much. This is Catherine Calarco on Humanity Evolve. Please join me after the break. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. 
You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers presented by SAP on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Humanity Evolve with Catherine Calarco. To reach our show today, please call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or you may send an email to info at ccalarco.com. Now, back to Humanity Evolve. Welcome back. This is Catherine Calarco, and I'm really excited to talk to you guys today about the future of life sciences and the fact that it's digital. And so the third pillar of it is truly leadership. And before the break, we talked about the key elements of digital transformation and the results people are seeing and some of the case studies or use cases that people are using to, to realize that potential and achieve those outcomes. And part of that is really, you know, the third pillar and probably the most important pillar is leadership and really, you know, being a, a, a leader in the organization. I mean, it, you know, you have uh, uh, you, you have a lot of the analysts or others within this field say, hey, look, it's a generational thing. We're not going to get shifts in life sciences until we have executives at the top who understand the value of this. And I'm not convinced. I, I believe that, uh, you know, the that leaders at the top of the organization are truly trying to find ways of uh, delivering uh, health ca- uh, uh, care faster and, and, and enabling more wellness around the world and truly actually eliminating disease. So, uh, so I challenge leaders to really find out, you know, what, is, what are others doing in this area? You know, how can you engage with other executives to find out? And you probably are. I mean, literally, this is a small group of very highly networked individuals. And and the, the, the potential is out there to do that. And, and we see, you know, leaders that are really creating a strategy for their organization. So it's a top-down, a digital transformation, intelligent automation initiative um, associated with trying to create a, a, a more digital company or trying to, uh, you know, increase growth and profitability as well as uh, improve uh, pipeline and, uh, and uh, the, the amount of um, 
business they're able to grow. And so uh, in order to do that, they're looking at what are the levers to move the needle for their organization and really looking at uh, digital transformation and, and intelligent automation as key areas that can impact across everything from SGNA to to research and development in manufacturing. So, and, and those leaders that are actually doing that ha- have engaged a bottom-up approach as well. So you're looking at uh, where where their their teams, uh, their frontline, their director and managers are involved in this. They're often the uh, the people who champion these new areas and technologies are uh, director levels or uh, you know uh, the VP levels, and they really are uh, excited about what they can see and they're driving that change because they understand it. And they also are able to execute on it to realize those results. So that so the the top performing organizations have both that top down and bottom up. You know they've got the they've got the the executive support, the executive strategic view across the organization, and they have enthusiasm uh, and uh, and understanding and, and and education across their organization. So that the frontline, the directors and and the their their other staff are also understand the benefit of this and have incorporated it as a means for them to move forward to a. Uh, better work. And, and some of that is doesn't start that way. Sometimes it starts as a, an initiative that's successful, like at one pharma company, uh, the, the team decided to uh, implement it in a particular business unit. And the outcome from that unit was so successful, they realized that, that they were able to get uh, sponsorship and, and be able to roll it across their organization. In another organization, the CEO were, uh, had identified that this was an area that needed needed to be part of their strategic initiatives. And they engaged uh, their uh, IT team, which became the center of excellence, or they engage their business services team to actually look at how to roll it out. And again, they uh, the first stage is always have a have a initial success, and that initial success area really drives the enthusiasm across the whole organization. And some people have really went uh, into what I call high impact, high high value areas, such as uh, pharmacovigilance or research or uh, regulatory quality areas. And those areas, if you're able to um, uh, increase your productivity and uh, increase accuracy and move people to higher value work, it has a tremendous impact on the bottom line. You know, one pharma was saying that, you know, they get uh, one to three X uh, ROI in their finance and back office. And they started there because they wanted to get institutional knowledge in a, and, uh, and, and sort of implement their, uh, you know, how they do automation. But they also had the immediate uh, ability to move into these high impact areas that literally, they said, look, if we can, if we can improve the labs and research, we get a 10x return. So there's a bigger return in those areas and look for opportunities to automate in the, in the labs and across, I mean, you know, this one group has um, implemented automation. They've built over 25 bots in a in, in their research area. And oh my gosh, they are so excited about it. And it just seemed like, oh yeah, we're going to build this bot because we want to get rid of doing this. Or we want to automate we want to automate this process so we can get our research done faster. Or can I not come in at two in the morning to press a button on the machine? You know, So there's like things that they were looking at to be able to implement. And they named their bots as well. And uh, so they had, uh, and it automated over 65 processes. It was very exciting. So, um, so other 
things around top performers. I mean, obviously they start out in an area, they get an early win, they determine uh, where, uh, where they're going next. So they have a strategic view across where their pipeline is going. They set up the rules and guidelines associated with the automation and AI within their organization and how they're actually, others can engage in that. So they really do um, go around and evangelize to the different business units and work with them to create a, 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 a sort of a bottom-up development and create uh, almost like a assisted citizen development, you know, like a, the ability for embedded uh, specialists to help those business units actually drive automation in their in their areas and to um, provide an innovation funnel, innovation pipeline for ideas and also to build bots and implement uh, AI solutions for the across the organization, and they do that in a very effective way. And obviously, if you're really interested in learning more about the data behind this, the numbers, their absolute processes and some of the use cases, you're more than welcome to contact me directly and we can uh, have a deeper dive into this information. Some of the other areas that happen is that obviously they're more uh, educated or they have more skills and expertise in this area. Um, and then one of the key things around uh, the new tools that are coming out is that the intent is to, to democratize so that you don't have to have highly specialized data scientists to actually do this work. You can have them work on the, the major challenges, the larger projects, but a lot of the other value can be done through, uh, through people in the business units or, or through the services group or your IT group or your center of excellence and really enabling and empowering them to uh, uh, build their own bots. And so we're seeing a, uh, a, an increase in that. You know, we're seeing people that are encouraging things like citizen development. You know, they, they have expressed excitement at the director, director and frontline uh, frontline teams, and they really have um, a C achieved a significant ROI, even without a broad deployment. So they might, uh, they, they may have just started most people or, you know, got less than 50 bots, but um, we've got those who have two, several thousand, you know, so there's, there's quite a range. And, and so um, they're able to get that ROI rather quickly. And they really are looking for uh, across the board, uh, Im improved productivity. And you know that leaders are also emphasizing the importance of moving people to higher value work and they created a higher priority on um, you know AI, RPA and these technologies to actually drive that change. And so the, a part of that leadership is one just to, to, to understand the technologies and what it can do for you and, and stay curious and learn. And, and, the, and second is to empower the teams to actually uh, create those successes or to look on how you can scale across the organization. And the tools that are at platforms that are available today are very much associated with, uh, you know, like Automation Anywhere has the capacity and the technology, the platform to enable you to rapidly scale, you know, both across our, our uh, the support around it, but also our partner network and the platform itself, right? And so the idea is that you, you now can rely on these organizations to help Help you scale across, but not only scale across, but do it in a, a, and achieve that ROI along the way. So leaders are really identifying these, identifying strategies. They're really uh, motivated by uh, moving people to higher value work and, and, and using technology to do that. 
They actually understand change management. So leaders really do need to understand the impact of this and also understand about, you know, reskilling. Think about how, how you can uh, reskill and use uh, training programs to do that and also educate and create, you know, uh, uh, a, a frictionless way for people to become engaged in these two technologies and to able to, you know, use uh, predictive modeling and, and intelligent data extraction and, and things like uh, uh, smart analytics, et cetera, in association with RPA and, um, and, and really being able to um, leverage these uh, for the organization. And I think the second thing is really, you know, lead for the future. You know, if you have a sense of what you can be into the future, use what's available to drive you there. And part of that is, is really investing. And so we're seeing a doubling of investment in these areas. You know, we're seeing a, uh, almost uh, many due to the pandemic uh, uh, driving these to be, you know, what was their 2022, 2024 plans are now moved into 2021. You know, we got to get this done because we need to create a sustainable, resilient organization. And, and really that resilience is what's needed into the future to stay uh, competitive because you need your organization to be able to um, manage through shocks to the system and pivot if needed or innovate if needed on the innovation side is more fun, but you also need to be able to, you know, uh, address certain things and, and realize that, uh, you know, how, how can we can, how can we achieve the outcomes no matter what is going on with us. And, and part of that is building resilience and capacity in the organization itself. So hopefully that has been valuable for you. Um, I think that, you know, what, what the key to recap what we've talked about, is that um, you need to have a sense of what the future is, what the future potential is for that industry, for the life sciences industry, and realize that it's really focused on, on, on more efficiency, productivity, and innovation, and really eliminating disease uh, through technology. And that digital, the second piece is that digital transformation is the number one trend in the industry. And in fact, uh, intelligent automation and AI are key components of that. And we talked about how the structure of that is rolled out in an organization and uh, some of the outcomes that are enabling this industry to be more productive and how we can now maybe institutionalize the, the, the speed of which the pandemic has uh, needed the industry to move at and how can it sustain some of these uh, efficiencies overall to improve the industry uh, in, in, if, for the long term. And then the last most important area is really about leadership. How uh, as a leader, how am I uh, uh, have my eye on that future? How am I engaging with uh, you know, strategic initiatives associated with digital transformation, AI, RPA, and other uh, tools to enable me to quickly get time to value and be able to see that ROA without having to implement a, a two-year IT project, but also uh, being able to engage my uh, uh, staff and the and the frontline teams in improving their their work uh, work life, uh, their uh, ability to deliver to their the innovation or their roles, and uh, and and building that capacity and and not underestimating the change management side of it and, and really being able to educate, uh, train, uh, and, and, do, and, and address those items that need to be addressed when you're seeing this fundamental shift. 
and we often talk about it as the you know the fourth industry revolution and i think it's that we are creating our future we are all part of it no matter where you are you are part of our part of this industry change whether you're just a consumer of a patient of you're a technologist a scientist or whatever but i'll tell you I love this industry. I love the fact that I'm sitting between technology and life sciences. And I think it's a phenomenal time for us to see human evolution. And that's what this is about, you know, staying human centric and enabling our technologies to uh, uh, enable humanity uh, to deliver more as a, to, this, to this world, the planet, the universe, ourselves, our families, and our communities. And so I'll leave you with that. I hope that you uh, uh, have gained one idea from this, one thing that you can do, or at least learn something from the discussion. I really appreciate your time. I value who you are. And remember, we all have a light that's needed now, and all of us need to contribute to being a positive part of this world, to stay connected, to stay grounded, and realize that we're all together in this world, and that you need to focus on the reality of hope. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to talking to you next week. This is Catherine Calarco on Humanity Evolve. Thank you for joining Catherine Calarco for this week's edition of Humanity Evolve. Be sure to tune in again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again then. 